So we have finished already uh, all the doctrinal notes through section 2.01, Article 2. And we're going to finish up, Lord willing, with this study tonight. And the section I wanted to finish off with, I think, is, is a very pertinent reason for doing so. Uh, we're going to talk about church membership very briefly and then um, try to get you guys to your study group. So, man, if I can get through this in 25 minutes, that'd be a miracle. We will try, or I will try. All right, so opening statement, being a functional member of a Bible-believing church is a wonderful privilege and responsibility. It's important to remember, though, that a church is still composed of sinners. Problems will occur. If disciplinary steps are enacted with biblical direction, church unity, and proper intent, a church and the involved member or members can and should grow. Uh, having grown up in a Baptist church, I've seen church discipline enacted, having worked in multiple churches, seen it done well, seen it done not so well. But in every single situation of a church disciplinary situation, there is potential growth there. And that is what God intends. He can take our mistakes and turn it into something positive. But a church has got to understand what God wants done, do it in the way that would please the Lord, and be unified in that effort. Those are very pivotal pieces of information, and, and sadly, it's not normal. But tonight, uh, as we review these things, it's probably not going to be anything new to you, but I just want it clearly stated so that the next time something difficult happens, we all know what to expect. We're all together on it, and we can move forward in a way that will please God. So let's jump into this, our key verse tonight. Let's quote it, maybe even for the last time <laughs> for a good while. Psalm 119.34, give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. All right, so we're going to skim through a lot of this. You could go back to your, your true church doctrinal statement, and you could read through the particulars on your own. But we're going to look at the qualification for membership very quickly, duties of a member very quickly, privileges of a member very quickly, disip, discipline of a member a little more in depth, and then some notes on the termination of membership. Like, ooh, that sounds kind of scary. You're going to terminate somebody? <laughs> well, just their membership. Don't know, but as long as we all know what's, what's in there and it's what's expected, no surprises, right? All right, so first section, qualifications of a membership. A saved and scripturally baptized Christian can be accepted into church membership via application or through a church letter to transfer your membership or through restoration. So when church discipline is enacted, uh, one of the first things to go, usually, or at least the end of the process, is you lose your church membership. That's a big deal. But we always have that road open for restoration to restore that membership. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians three one says, "Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as, as some others, epistles or letters of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you?" So it was a normal practice in that day. If you're going to go visit another church, 
man, that church has no idea who you are. It's not like they jump on Facebook and say, oh, yeah, 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 they're a member of Berean Baptist, whatever. They had no clue. So they would take letters with them from their home church that when you show up, like, yes, this is a faithful member in good standing. It's just a verification kind of thing. So those letters were given. Also, we see uh, here a member willingly, it says, agrees to follow the Lord, his word, and church authority. So this is a willing step uh, step that you want to become a church member. So it's not like you're just born into a church, right? Just because my kids are the pastor's kids. They're not automatically members. They make the choice, say, you know what? I'm growing up, I've been saved, I've been baptized the way I'm supposed to be. I need to be a church member. And so they apply just like anybody else. You're not born into a church. It's a decision. It's a willing decision. And it's our job as a church to help folks make knowledgeable decisions on what they're getting into. There are churches around our country, it's like church membership is just a thing. Just as long as you're on the roll, you don't even have to show up anymore. You're good. You're on the roll. Like, eh, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, Uh, We see specifics in those verses. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they, those 3,000 souls, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, all those different things. So we look at the early church, and when people got saved, they made a willing choice. You know what? I'm joining myself to this group of Christians. Did they fill out a, a testimony sheet and then hand it in and the church leadership said, oh, all right, let's take a vote on it. Are we going to add them to the church role? No, they didn't. But we do see in scripture that it was a willing choice made by people who were born again and baptized. So that essence of Christianity, that willing and purposeful joining of a church This is how we do it nowadays. We fill out an application, you become a member. It's not a biblical mandate to be a member of a church, but it's our way of showing the same thing that the early church did. So we take it seriously. We have guests come in every week. Some of them may be even born again. Can they come visit our church? Can they be a part of our church to a good extent? Absolutely. But it's a important step to become a member when that happens with understanding all right i'm going to join with my church and things change i'm going to be active there's certain things that are going to happen so that step of church membership is an important one you're making a clear statement and let's be honest when times aren't so easy in a church being a church member makes a difference You've already said, I'm going to join with you. I'm going to submit to church authority. When, when times get hard, we got to stay together as a group. It's not like, yeah, I've been visiting you guys for a while. Like, ooh, that's rough. See ya. I mean, you have no dedication, no investment in that place. But as a church member, yes, you do. It's a, a purposeful step, and it's an important one. All right, section 3.02 has to do with the duties of a member, and I just... Uh, pulled out the highlights from our, our doctrinal statement. A member willing agrees to love their pastor. 
You may not like me, but the Bible says you got to love me. So that's fine. I thought that was cool that was in there. And all other members. You may not like everybody in here, but the Bible commands you to love each other. They agree to financially, let me back up my screen, sorry about that, to financially support the work of God and live a lifestyle of holiness. You know, we have guests come into church, as I said before, I don't expect those folks to put anything in the plate. They're just visitors. If they want to, that's fantastic. But as a member, you've made the choice to join. So to financially support the ministry, that's a part of it, okay? That's a mental decision. And to live a lifestyle of holiness. Guest comes in our church, it's not for me to pick them out and say, hey, are you living right? (laughs) Okay, I, I hope they are. But if you're a member of our church and there's some things in question, we need to talk because you've made the choice to be a member. It, it just, it's that step of submission, that accountability, that realization that, you know what, there are expectations on me now. I'm a church member here. So we, we take those things seriously. Moving on, section 3.03, the privileges of membership. This section actually needs some adding to in our church doctrinal statement. Uh, It does not say anything in there specifically about needing to be a member before serving in certain capacities within our our church body. Personally, I think that needs to be added. So I'm I'm looking into how we're supposed to do that to make a a specific addition to this. And, And here's my reasoning. Let's look at this section. Serving in church is a member's duty and privilege, but certain protective stipulations would be very wise for certain things, like doctrinal purity. Uh, Romans 16, 17, and 18 say, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you've learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So if you've got folks that are coming to our church and then you just give them a position of teaching, but they're not church members, you've not done your homework to find out where they're coming from, what their beliefs are, they've never read through our church doctrinal statement to say, yes, I, will, uh, I agree to this and I will adhere to it. You don't know. So there are some really great people out there. But let's be honest, if you're going to be serving in certain aspects of church ministry, those things need to be ironed out. And if they were a church member, they would be ironed out. So for doctrinal purity, I believe that would be a very wise thing to do. Ministry guidance. You've got somebody that wants to help out with the youth ministry. Jump in there and help, but they've not submitted themselves to church authority here. So Pastor Duncan's having to, to butt heads with folks because they want to take the youth ministry in a certain direction. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm the youth pastor here. And they say, so? If you make that statement of, I'm going to be a church member, then you've already made the decision to be underneath the authority of the church leadership. That would be very wise for us to do. Also, personal accountability. To be able to call somebody in and say, look, 
is what you're doing right in the eyes of God? A church member say, you know what? You've got pastoral authority. You're one of my church members. You've got the ability to to speak to things in my life. But somebody who's not a church member, they're like, mind your own business. So again, it's that clear statement would make a difference in these situations. Anyone teaching or ministering in a key position needs to willingly submit themselves to sound doctrine and their church's authority. And again, being a church member, those things would be established. You know, that's a good question. Why wouldn't you want to if you want to minister? But a lot of, honestly, Joe, a lot of people haven't thought through it enough. Like, well, I'm here. I want to help. Why wouldn't I? Like, well, if, if you haven't thought through it enough, then you haven't realized that when crud hits the fan, how am I going to react? Because if it doesn't go my way, I'm not a church member, you're going to react differently. So I really think it's not that people are bad folks or they're scared. It's that they haven't thought their way through it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. But we'll work on that. I'll work on that. All right. 3.04, discipline of a member. Here's where we're going to take a little more time. Again, it's so that we know the expectation of our church and that those of us who have maturity and understanding, we can bind together and say, all right, let's go through this tough process together. Let's honor the Lord. Let's keep these things forefront in our mind. So we begin with a very, very important note. The two all-important goals that guide church discipline are purity and restoration. Those are the two goals, folks, and we cannot get away from that. Our church must be morally and doctrinally pure. We've got to protect that. And at the same time, if somebody is doing wrong, we want to help them do right. That is the goal. It's not to whoop up on a naughty kid that we're ticked off with. A lot of churches handle their discipline like that. Or they just don't handle it. Both of those are disastrous. So purity and restoration. These two factors must be forefront in the minds and hearts of each church member as the disciplinary process takes place. Okay, why does it have to be forefront in everybody's minds? Well, let's look at it, because what happens if you don't? First Corinthians 5, 6 gives us something important here. Your glorying, Paul says to the Corinthian church, is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. He's saying that purity is the condition that protects the church body from the spread of sin. That's your first blank, protects. If you don't handle business, somebody's doing wrong, and it's not, quote, handled. It's known by the church. That communicates to other people. Eh, it's no big deal. Oh, yeah, it is a big deal. Because just like leaven, just like yeast, it spreads. And I guarantee you, the young people of our church watch stuff like this. Very serious. 1 Timothy 5.20 says, Rebuke them that sin before all, in front of everybody. Why? That others also may fear. It's being in grade school and that one kid who's always acting up and their teacher 
handles them, the rest of the class goes, ooh, I'm not going to do that. Well, at least that's the way it used to be in school, right? Because the other kids get scared. I don't want that punishment. I'm not going to talk out in class. I'm not going to pass notes. I'm not going to sass the teacher. You watch somebody else get pounded, you straighten up yourself. That's important. I mean, that's just humanity. And within a church, if you don't handle sin, people are going to think it's no big deal, and more folks will follow either in that vein or in other areas as well. It has to be handled. It's also a matter of public representation of Christ because your church has a reputation. 1 Corinthians 5.1, that same Corinthian church, Paul says it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife You guys realize the reputation you guys have in Corinth? It ain't good, guys. The the unsaved people are looking at you and saying, man, that Christian bunch is messed up. Folks, churches have a reputation. It's like you don't know you have a reputation in your community until something crazy happens, and then everybody's talking about it. There are a million one examples of this, but we have to be careful that we represent Christ properly. So purity and restoration have to work together. Purity is vital. But then the restoration side, we see in Galatians 6.1. Did you get that number? Did I get, uh, did I miss something? Let's see. Yep, had uh, Protex. There it is. And then moving forward, Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Now how do you do it? You do it in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So your your fill in the blank there, restoration is the goal that directs the steps of discipline and maintains an attitude of love. It also maintains biblical obedience, because God says we're supposed to, and it also maintains effectiveness. So here's the problem, folks. Whenever there's a discipline situation, it is going to be uncomfortable. I don't care who you are. It's going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. You're going to have to have conversations and do things that you don't like doing. But God says this is what we have to do because it's effective. When we start to get creative in how to handle problems, you're not going to get the same result. If God says this is the process to handle a problem, then that's what you stick with. If it's hard or not, If God says this is the way it ought to be done, it's going to be effective. As long as people will submit to God's process. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, describing love itself, says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. So folks that will back off and say, man, that'd be a little too awkward, that's going to hurt feelings, that's going to make people mad. I love them, I don't want to upset them. I don't want them to leave church. I don't want to cause problems. 
that person needs to stop saying, I can't because I love them, because that's a lie. If you loved them, you would do what's necessary. Folks, that's hard. It really is. But love does not rejoice in something wrong. It rejoices when there's truth. And this process of discipline is meant to restore that person to a place of truth. So having that understanding, uh, the doctrinal statement that we have listed under point A says, the pastor shall appoint a committee. All right, that's understood. But that's actually for step number three. So yes, there is a committee involved. But first, I had to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18. We need to look at this part first. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 20. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go, tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verse 18 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever sh- oh, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So the agreement aspect that we have as a church is a powerful one. So this process is very clear. If you've been wronged, here is step number one. When a member becomes aware of an offense, or specifically in that, passage, if that offense is against you, he is go to go alone to that offending party. Folks, this doesn't normally happen. Normally, what do people do? They talk to somebody else about how they've been wronged. Or, if it's bad enough, they go and tell the pastor, hey, need to let you know something that's going on. You guys need to handle this. Well, studying through our doctrinal statement, looking at all these passages, my first step whenever anybody comes to me with one of those statements is going to be this, and you guys are going to know it now. Have you gone and talked to that person yet? I'm going to encourage our church members to follow Matthew 18. If they have wronged you, have you personally gone to that individual yet to just try to straighten this out? That's a yes or a no. Don't, call, don't go talking to me until you've handled it. Now, what, well, Pastor Collie, what if it's not about something they're involved with? What if it has to do with somebody else? Okay, has that person gone and talked with the offending group? Well, I, I don't know. Okay, well, tell you what, since you're the middleman apparently... Have you encouraged that person to go handle matters? We want to shut down gossip, and that's typically what this is going to do. If it's between you and a person, 
you talk to that person. If other people are talking about it, wrong method. That's not going to help anything. So if there's a problem within the church, one person that's offended goes to the offender. That's step number one. Step number two, that's when a second member, let's see, did I, I skipped some stuff, forgive me. No, they're out of order, there we go. No, no it was, that was correct. I skipped in my notes, there we go. Galatians 6, 1 again, we've already read that passage. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, which ye were to spiritual, restore such in one, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So, first, examine himself. Before you go talking to that other individual, examine yourself and go with the spirit of humility. That's your second blank there. You've got to make sure that you are in a position where you can speak to the problem. Your heart is in the right place. You are going for the sake of restoration. Not condescending, attitude of humility. You want to restore things. Sometimes we go into those conversations because we want justice. No. Humble. Be humble. Be meek. Try to restore. Okay? Give them that opportunity, but your attitude going into it is going to make a world of difference. This does not typically happen. And folks, it needs to in First Baptist Church. This is the biblical method. Now, if that means that you need to get a little more mature, you need to get your heart right with the Lord so that you can walk into this with a loving, proper attitude, all right, get yourself in check and go do it. But don't expect other people to handle your problems. Gossiping about things isn't going to help the problem. This is what the Bible says to do. Go alone with a right heart. Try for restoration. Now we can, if that does not work, you've done it the right way, and that offender against you has not made things right with you, then you move to step two, a second member, perhaps the pastor or associate pastor, our doctrinal statement says, but this step is also preceded by self-examination and humility with the goal of restoration. Starting to see a theme here. Make sure your heart's in the right place. Follow these steps. And if you need me to help out with that, you need Pastor Duncan, Pastor Witham, another godly trusted member, I recommend that you ask somebody to go with you that you and the offender both respect. Somebody that can stay objective. Not somebody that you can talk to that's got your back. Somebody that can be objective. That, that goes a long way. If that does not work, then you move to step number three according to our passage. That's when a disciplined committee shall hear the matter. So it is my job, according to our doctrinal statement, that I put up, I set up that committee with the pastoral staff, the deacons, and three to five godly men from our church to hear a very serious matter. This is not, you know, your kid didn't share crayons with my kid during Sunday school. Okay, this is a, a serious matter, okay? Very major, moral, personal deal. Form a committee, they would hear the matter, and then 
the members of the church, that's your next blank, again, after self-examination, the church makes an effort personally to go to the offender. I would assume that would be through a church representative rather than the church showing up at your house to try to get you to straighten up. The church sends a representative saying, look, this person has tried to make things right with you, but you won't apologize, you won't make things right. They came to you with somebody else. Our church has met because it's gotten to this point. We as a group want to encourage you, get things right. And if they just say, ain't doing it, all right, such members who refuse to repent and be restored are to be removed from the membership of the church upon a majority vote. And a special meeting is called for that. It's not a Sunday morning after the sermon. Hey, let's have all our guests know what's going on or take a big church vote. No, this is under a special vote. This is in-house situation, not fun. Point F, no matter may be heard by the discipline committee or the church unless the steps outlined in subsections B and C, which are going personally to that person, going with the second individual, have been taken, except in the case of a public offense. So thus far, we've described something that happened personally between you and another church member. But what if it's something public? Everybody knows about it because it was done in public. Well, you don't have to follow the personal steps. This is a different sort of matter. If a matter is publicly known, if it's not hidden and has been established, that person does not want to repent, then you cut straight to the church vote. It must be a pretty serious matter to, to hit that that quickly. And after that vote has been taken, if it is such that the church says, you know what, this is wrong in the eyes of God, open in public, unrepentant, all right, they're out of church membership. Now point G, all contact, it says, except by family members, must be for the sake of restoration. We see this very clearly in 1 Corinthians 5, 11 to 13. Verse 11 says, but now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that's called a brother be a, a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such an one, know not to eat. You don't go over to their family for the bar, their house for a barbecue. You're not hanging out at IHOP with them after service. The specific point of your contact with that individual has only one goal. If you're talking to them, it's to encourage them to get right. If they reach out to you, you know what you talk about? Getting right. Other than that, that's the only reason for your contact. It's, it's not a fellowship thing. It is a very specific encouragement. We can't be close again. You can't be restored to church again until you get things right. Folks, it is important that the weight of fellowship be used as a positive encouragement for people to do right. If things just continue business as usual, who cares? But if all of a sudden your church will only talk about that topic with you, it's going to get awkward for them. They've got to make some decisions. And that's what we're supposed to do. So this is not biblical shunning 
okay? We don't shun people. I will definitely talk with you, but there's only one thing we're going to talk about. Are you going to get right with God now? Are you going to get right with your church? Are you going to get right with that Christian? We're praying for you. We want to see you do right. Will you? Man, I want to talk about that now. Well, that's all we're going to talk about because I love you. And, and in order for you to be back in fellowship with us, to regain your membership, you got to do what's right. That person is either going to think about things and get right or they're going to walk away. That's their choice. This is the process that God has called us to do. And it's effective. And it's the most effective more than any other plans that we can cook up. Joe. And that's the reason we do what we do, is to avoid things going that far, doing what we should before that person being disciplined gets to that cut line. There is a limit to God's patience. He knows when you've gone too far and there's no restoration left. So as a church, we need to do all that God directs us to do to help that person come back. And that's hard. But that's why we're talking about this stuff. It's tough love. That's exactly what it is. And God directs us in how to perform tough love. So we're not shunning. We're just being very purposeful and focused in our contact with that person. The church is really serious about it. We love you. We want you to come back. Now let's talk very quickly about 3.06, which is the termination of a membership. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have actually read through these things, but it's important to actually note what's in here so that there are no surprises. I guarantee you, if, if I said something like uh, point A, without notice, if the church member in question has not attended a regular worship service of the church in the preceding six months, that person's membership is automatically terminated. There'd be people in our congregation say, what? That's in there? Yeah. We don't have to give you notice. Hey, your six months are up. You've not been here. Now, we're not talking about shut-ins, okay? If you cannot physically leave your house, if you're in the hospital, that's kind of an assumed. That's a given. We're talking about somebody that that can get out, but just doesn't. They're always making excuses. They can go do other things, but they can't make it to church. You know what? If that's your situation for six months, your membership is automatically terminated. Man, that would tick some people off. But folks, it's in our church doctrinal statement. Being a part of fellowship actively is a big deal. If you're going to commit to being a member, then be a member and show up. We've got options. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If none of those are ever options, 
I don't know. You need to you need to examine things in your life. Point B, if a member unites in membership with another church. Okay, you can only be a member of one church. So you join somewhere else, your membership here is is terminated. Well, that kind of makes sense. C, if the member states that he or she is actively involved in any conduct described in section 2.01, which has to do with sexual immorality, or if they they clearly state that they have made a lawsuit in violation of section 2.1. Christians are not supposed to be suing each other. Then your membership is automatically, right then and there, terminated. So it's not wondering if you're living in sin. You've said so. You've made it public. Automatically, at that moment, your membership is terminated. So you would step into, okay, Your church now knows what you have publicly stated. Do you want to be restored? Let's go through the disciplinary process to get your membership reinstated because you've done right. But your membership's gone because of what you've chosen to do. Do you want to get right with God and your church? That's up to that person. But clear um, involvement in such contact, boom, automatically nixes your membership. Also, uh, let's see, point D, I had to ask some other folks, it's very interesting wording on point D, and I'm not as smart as I'd like, I'm not an attorney. It said, no provision contained in this section shall be subject to or governed by the procedures regarded discipline of membership set forth in section 3.04. Like, uh, what's that mean? (laughs) Basically, if you've had your membership automatically terminated, you're not going through the discipline process, okay? If you're living in open sin, if you've not come to church in six months, one of those situations, we're, we're not gonna put you through church discipline in order to terminate your, your membership. It's just already done. So now let's work on restoring that. So that, that's all that, that verbiage was. It just took me a while to work through it. I had to ask Mr. Henry. All right, verse, uh, not verse, uh, point E, a member may resign their membership at any time. I thought this one was, was very interesting. Uh, grab my notes here. So if you resign your church membership, you will not get a letter of membership transfer or written statement of good standing. You just say, ah, I don't want to be a church member here anymore. Okay, that's all you need to say. Your, your church membership is gonna, done but don't expect us to write you a letter of recommendation to another church. You just up and dropped out. That's kind of weird. Why? So that's something we need to take very seriously, church membership. Again, as difficult as disciplinary situations are, a church can and should grow through them. If they're to happen, we must endeavor to be united, unified in our manner and in our goals. A church that proceeds together and loves together will grow together. And folks, uh, I'm going to encourage you for the next 15 minutes uh, to go through these questions. The initial ones, uh, I want to be real clear here. Let me read the first one for you. Without getting into detail, and I mean that, (laughs) have you ever seen church discipline enacted improperly? Second question, again, without going into any detail, Have you ever seen church discipline enacted properly? 
was the result positive or negative? I don't want you guys to sit here and start talking through problems you've seen in a church or whatnot. That's not our goal tonight. It is to recognize, yep, I've seen it. Good or bad has come from the process. Kelly. That is kept in the office in the, um, what's it called? It's the church program that we use for Power Church. That's what it's called. So it actually gives us notifications and things like that. Uh, The question was, is there a current list of who is and who is not a current member? You looking to hunt some people down? (laughs) Just teasing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Now, would you treat them differently if they were? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Or, you know, if you have a problem with somebody, now a Christian ought to handle it either way you know, go and talk to them. But some of those following steps would depend on if they're church members or not. So the only difficulty, because I I like making that note, the only difficulty would be you'd have to be cranking out new church directories all the time. So that having a currency list, that would be a good thing. I'll have to talk with Liz on that, see if there's a way we can efficiently do that. Right, well, we've got that kind of record, but Kelly's asking so that you can know. Well, it could just be as simple as we have the current list in the church office, and if you want to know because you want to ask somebody to help with a church ministry, you just go check that list real quick because that's one list we could keep updated and available and not have to do it either in the church directory that we hand out or know somebody who can jump on a computer they just make it real simple. So that's, that's a good point. Thank you, Kelly. All right. Well, if you guys have any questions on this, because there, there may be, uh, as you guys group up, uh, just stick your hand up. I'll try to keep my eyes roving, and I'll do my best to field things. Uh, this is not a situation that I've had to handle yet as head pastor, although as youth pastor, we've had our history, folks. We've, we've seen it. We've gone through it as a church multiple times, but as long as we're together, we're going to be able to handle the future things well. So go ahead and don't be afraid to ask some questions tonight if need be.